Welcome to another edition of the AUHSD Future Talks. I'm your host, Superintendent Michael Matsuda, Superintendent of the Anaheim Union High School District, a district comprised of over 29,000 students across five cities. And as our audience knows, this program is about careers and jobs and really uh, unleashing student voice and purpose and lead them and prepare them for this thing called life. We are so blessed to have so many amazing guests share their wisdom and their shared experience uh, with our uh, over 6,000 listeners now. And today we have one of our incredible teachers. And I've got to say that the teachers are the ones who are going to lead us through and out this pandemic and beyond into the future. And so today's guest is um, an award-winning teacher in our district, amazing young man, uh, Ray Solisano. Ray, say hi to our audience. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike, for having me. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. I've always been told I had a face for radio, so I was excited to get to do a podcast here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, well, most people listen. So it's, uh, it is that most people listen. So those 6,000 uh are mostly listeners, but wanted to start off, Ray, just a little bit about who you are and why you became a teacher. Of course. Um, you know, I did grow up uh, in Anaheim. I uh, went to, to Western High School um, and, you know, I kind of just, I was living my life, going through the motions, uh, went to college, never really had it in, in the back of my mind that I'm going to be a teacher. You know, I wasn't decided, uh, you know, before college. Um, I actually graduated college and kind of was like, well, what am I going to do now? Um, you know, I had some family, you know, uh, in the educational field and, and I just started substitute teaching. Um, and I started substitute teaching and I sort of fell in love and had to go back to a couple of, uh, you know, prereq uh, classes and, and I just kind of found my path there. And you became, what, what, what did you get your credential in? Uh, I'm a history social studies teacher. And so I, I've taught the junior high school level. I've taught the high school level, uh, for the last few years. Uh, but recently I've been doing government and econ. So it's my experience and what uh, people tell me is that history can either be really boring or really exciting. So I know you're the type of teacher that made it come alive. Could you share with the audience uh, just some of the things that you did to make it come alive and make it real? So I think um, for me, I, I'm at my best when I'm excited. I'm at my best when I'm you know, trying something new and it's just an experiment, experiment for me. And so one thing that I really took advantage of early on in my career is, um, you know, just saying yes to these different uh, professional development opportunities. Um, you know, along the path, I became a tech coach. And so for a very long time, you know, I was excited kind of, you know, really getting into uh, the tech world and how to get the students to actually create with tech instead of just, you know, um, consuming their technology. And so it, it started there. Um, and from there, it has just progressed uh, based on what class I'm teaching. So, you know, I'm, it, part of it is well, what class am I doing and how can I leverage, uh, you know, my content to really add value to my students' life. And so ultimately, my goal is to figure out how could I add value. And so uh, with the help of the five C's in the district, you know, um, do I want my students to just be better communicators? And sometimes in history, that's all it is, is I want my students to be historians, right? I want my students to uh, be able to speak right um, and, you know, have an argument um, right or wrong. I want them to be able to to share that voice. And so really uh, putting the, the control, the agency into the students' hands, um, I have found has really made my work more meaningful, but also made me more excited, engaged 
uh, to be in the classroom. So this whole thing about student voice, I, I think that there are enough teachers who are trying to cultivate authentic student voice, right? Let let and that that is sort of an essential foundational piece of this thing called democracy, being able to speak up, but not just speak up and yell at each other, but speak up in ways that are grounded in uh, in, in research, learning fact from fiction, and and kind of being able to connect the dots. Can you share a little bit about what our district is doing, you in particular, but what our district is doing to uh, really intentionally build student voice? Sure. Um, you know, amongst other things, um, I was um, able to be part of something called the MICFA group, the MICFA uh, training. And so really learning how to hone, um, you know, student um, not just engagement, not just civic engagement, but that agency to for the students to find wonders in their world, right? And they're in their school, in their life, in their community, and find out how to leverage that in the classroom, um, you know, really to mix the content. And so for me, what it is, is, is I kind of see it as we're juggling a lot of balls in the air, right? And so, yes, I am a history teacher, but at the same time, I want to get uh, those five C's in there. I also want to make sure that um, I, I was part of the civic engagement training. And through that, I met a lot of wonderful mentors um, in our district. We have uh, the amazing Jeff Kim, um, the department chair at Savannah, Steve Little, uh, really has done a great job in, um, you know, doing that civic engagement model, which starts with a question, you know, that inquiry question of, you know, what are you curious about? What do you see as a problem? Um, and then empowering the students on, well, how can we, um, help solve that, you know, those issues that you see as important to your life. You know, I love the fact that so many of our teachers are into applied problem solving because there's arguably this generation of young people is faced with, you know, um, everywhere you look, there are problems and challenges out there. And you're either going to go inward and say, look, and I give up or you're going to say as a young person, I want to solve these problems. And I'm proud of the, the way the teachers are framing their lessons to uh, uh, have the kids through civic engagement and through authentic voice learn how to solve problems and express themselves. You had mentioned to the mikvah uh, soapbox uh, construct, which is very much based on sort of the TED Talk construct, which is, again, affirms identity. Can you share a little bit about why identity is so important to an adolescent as they evolve their own voice? I think, you know, it's important for students to see themselves um, in their classroom. Um, I think it's important, you know, and it really does start with, you know, at the door. Um, it starts with teachers, you know, just saying hello and making sure that the student feels connected. Um, and, and that's part of it. But I think it needs to go deeper than that to where the student can see um, the relevancy of what's happening in the classroom and making sure that we're connecting it to the students' lives. And we try to do that every day in every lesson. And, and maybe we don't hit every student every lesson, but I want to make sure that I'm providing the opportunities for the students that, well, I could see how this is affecting my family or how my family might be able to utilize some of these resources um, you know, to improve um, ourselves or just, you know, just try. Um, and so I think that's a very important thing for the student that 
whatever it is you're experiencing it, you're internalizing it. And so reflection is a big part of that, right? Uh, where we are reflecting on how we are, um, you know, communicating, collaborating, all of those things. Um, and so even if a student, you know, maybe the student get the 100% on the test, but if the student is able to reflect and identify themselves with how they've grown or how they've even struggled. And so a big part for me is, is failure. Um, in my class, we do not consider failure to be, you know, a life sentence. Um, it is something that we learn from. Um, you know, one post in my classroom I love is make mistakes. And I'm always telling my students that I want you to make mistakes. I want you to fail. And, and I want you to learn from that. And I think building that resilience is important. And as we build that resilience, we're also building that student's identity uh, to be able to overcome these obstacles. Because uh, you know, life is life is a bumpy road, and there's always going to be those obstacles. So I want to make sure that I'm I'm providing that um, for my students that they have the skills and the patience uh, to overcome some of those tough things that they're going to face. You know, and as a result of that, more and more students finding their passion and their purpose about what they want to do in terms of problem solving. I'm um, very proud of the fact that AUHSD is developing the first urban public education high school incubator, a business incubator, because uh, these kids now want to, as they develop uh, uh, solutions to problems, learn how to monetize it, right, in, in a way that is going to really support them, no matter what career they end up. This is a very powerful uh experience for them to actually, you know, be part of an incubator. But before we do that, or as we do that, we need to develop professional development for teachers to learn about entrepreneurship. Could you share, you were one of our first teachers who were trained in a, a program called Youth Entrepreneurship. Can you share how that kind of is a, a logical uh cohesion, cohesive piece to civic engagement and what it is. Absolutely. So uh, Youth Entrepreneurs is, a, is an organization um, who has uh, reached out to uh, large schools, private schools, you know, all different schools. And really what they're trying to do is they're trying to instill the entrepreneurial mindset into our students. Um, you know, you see uh, problems not as obstacles, but opportunity. Uh, try to engage in win-win in, uh, exchanges, right, where um, I'm providing the value for the student, but also, you know, I'm making sure the students are understanding my content a little bit better. Um, and so it has, again, right, if I'm juggling these different balls in the air, it had this perfect cohesion between, well, the civic engagement piece, right, where we, uh, we live in a community that has uh, various needs, um, has a lot of different needs. But then now I'm also teaching econ in this entrepreneurial pathway where these students, um, the students are the answer. You know, to put it bluntly, the students are the answer. The students are the future. And these students have solutions and they have solutions to problems that I didn't know existed. Right. And so now when we combine these two things together, real powerful things could happen. Um, one of the uh, capstone projects uh, with youth entrepreneurs is it's called the vacant lot. Uh, where you go around the community and you you find a vacant lot, a vacant building, um, and we really kind of find out, well, what are the community needs? And so now we're doing some real community research, diving into, um, you know, what not just what I want to do, but what, what would help that community? And so now it's, um, you know, kind of making that experience, the learning real um, for, for our students. 
And, um, you know, I'm very excited to be part of this group uh, because they start with yes. And their answer is always yes. How can we support you? Um, and so this next year, they're actually um, expanding their model to uh, include all disciplines. And so uh, it started in, you know, the business entrepreneurial pathway, um, but they're uh, becoming empowered. And really what they want to do is they want to, uh, you know, instill that agency in the students that the students can make that meaningful change, um, that the teachers are in control of their classroom, that, um, you know, they don't have to be tied to the standardized test, that, you know, meaningful learning can happen um, when you allow the students to do some hands-on work. And so those real world experiences, um, you know, what I've been doing in econ doesn't have to be what the English or the science teacher is doing. Um, and when I start having these conversations of what it might be, I hear the passion in the teacher's voice. And I'm so hopeful because I know that will translate to opportunities for the students to really live out those disciplines and just, you know, just try and, and, and whatever it happens to be, if they're um, exploring, um, and, and this is a real lesson that I I talked to the science teacher, you know, they're exploring for fake frogs out in the quad. Um, you know, maybe they're scientists, maybe they're not, but I want them to use some of those skills, you know, in their life as they move forward into their chosen path. I love the concept of uh, solving the problem of the vacant lot, both literally and figuratively. And of course, in, in urban areas like Anaheim, we have both. We have uh, a lot of vacant lots and challenges. In fact, we are, as you know, we are working on transforming one of the vacant lots at adjacent to one of our schools, Magnolia School, into an urban sustainable farm. And out of that, we, we hope to have a lot of uh, entrepreneurship come out of that as well. So this, um, this nonprofit called Youth Entrepreneurs has rebranded themselves as Empowered now, right? And we intend to grow from 24 teachers who are trained up to 100, right, in the next year. And you, Ray, are one uh, of a handful of uh, trainers now for Empowered. And uh, I'm really proud of the work that you and others have done uh, from the district who are uh, training other teachers. Because in order to unleash the creative abilities of, uh, what is it, 30 or 40 million American uh, school children, we have to unleash the creative abilities of teachers, right, for this around entrepreneurship. Could you explain a little bit about the concept, though, in terms of AUHSD's approach to entrepreneurship? It's more like a sort of a social entrepreneurship. Yeah, and again, I think it's really important that we see, you know, two sides of that coin where it's okay uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur and it's purely for profit, solving problems from profit is important and it's needed and that's a wonderful career path. But then we also want to make sure that we are also um, showing the students, you know, the social aspect of, of our community and what changes are needed, but then also, well, what can you do? Um, you know, to to help alleviate some of the issues that are facing us. And so, you know, a student um, who goes out and, and, you know, starts new new things, I think it's so um, great when a student comes back and wants to, um, you know, wants to mentor uh, some of our students. And so I think that's a really important piece uh, in our district where we are combining. It's not just it's not just the entrepreneurship aspect. It's not just that civic engagement piece, but what, what, how can we combine that and really um, help the students get what they want, but then also, you know, give back to our community. And I think that's very um, special. And I think we also have a lot of, um, 
you know, the I, you mentioned the iLab, uh, where you where it's incubate learning, accelerate breakthroughs, where if a student has an idea and it doesn't matter what pathway they're a part of at what school they're part of that pathway, we have a space where a student can really level up their skills. And that's what that's what we want to do is we want to level those student skills up to where now you're taking your content that, you know, hopefully you're passionate about, you're enjoying and you're applying that um, to to the real community and you're really giving back to to our our citizens. Yeah, so you know, you talk about the incubator lab for students and I I think that we're creating an incubator lab for teachers called the Cambridge Virtual Academy. It's really uh I think a a, a leading uh virtual school in in the country. It's getting a lot of attention and has some of our very best teachers involved and I know that you are now um dedicated to helping to build the the Cambridge Virtual Academy. Could you share a little bit about why you're so excited about this opportunity? Sure. Um, you know, we've been talking so much about entrepreneurs, and uh, one, uh, one word I came across is it's an entrepreneur. And an entrepreneur is somebody who is maybe not taking all those risks uh, for themselves, you know, and, and putting themselves out there, but working for an organization. And honestly, that's what I, I feel is that path for me is I get to be this entrepreneur who is trying those new things. And I'm working with, like, as you mentioned, some really strong teachers where uh, we're able to, you know, kind of take down some of those traditional, oh, well, we can't do that because, and again, it's starting with yes. So what would happen if, right? What would happen if uh, we just, the whole 12th grade team got together and instead of doing six different projects, we focused on one project for the year. What would that look like at the end of the semester? Right now, I can't tell you what that would look like, but I'm excited to try. And I think that's uh, what I'm so grateful uh, for at AUHSD is these opportunities to just try. And, you know, I want them to work out. I hope them to work out. Uh, but I know that the, the team that we have over at CBA um, with the different skill sets that we all have, um, I think the opportunity is going to really, um, you know, help students find themselves uh, where, you know, we've, I've had conversations, right, where, well, is the traditional high school the right place for everyone? And you could say yes or no. Uh, but I want to be part of that conversation where I want to have all students succeed no matter what uh, they're facing at home or what obstacles they have. I want to make sure that there is a place where they could still get that rigorous learning experience while also being able to take advantage of all of the opportunities AUHSD has. And, and I understand it's even more because um, CBA is partnering with schools internationally. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of different schools. Yeah. Uh, Mexico. We have a school from Mexico, I know. Um, and. Bolivia and Germany, and I think they're going to expand to double that next year. So um, I've, I sat in on some of the uh, uh, capstone projects with uh, students uh, from uh, Bolivia and our, and our uh, CBA students with the teachers. And uh, Ray, back to your point about this collaborative space, uh, both within the district, but also teachers internationally. I'm really excited to hear more. Yeah, I think that says a lot when these international schools are reaching out to us to see how we could, you know, combine and make something even better. Well, a lot of really exciting things in terms of transforming public schools. And I'm really proud that that's transformation is being led 
by teachers. It's not a top-down, it's not bringing in, teach to the test, that sort of thing. In fact, I'd like to end with a few questions about your thoughts regarding the standardized test movement and where public education needs to move forward. So again, um, you know, having these connections to some amazing mentors and just listening, I just, I like to sit back and I like to listen and I like to learn. And so some of our, um, I think it was Kelly Gallagher who shared an article um, about, you know, are we looking at curriculum, you know, the right way? And they used a beautiful analogy uh, for me of the soccer field, where if you were learning to play soccer at five years old and for two years, all you did was talk about the rules and you talked about, you know, the history of soccer, how interested would that young person be in, in learning to play soccer? And that really got me thinking about my classroom. And in that conversation, um, we also had um, a professor, uh, David Brazer from TeachFX, who he shared his thoughts on the No Child Left Behind era. And for me, this was just eye-opening that, you know, a lot of us came up with the standards were the thing, right? Like we always had to teach to the standards and this was the anchor and we always have to be, you know, close to that. Um, But again, that inquiry question of what would it look like if we took a step back? What would it look like if instead we started with the standards? What if it looked like if we started with, you know, the student's passions? And so what if we just said, well, what are the student interested about? And, you know, for me, that's how I start my classes. I don't know what I'm going to teach you this year because I don't know who you are yet. I want to learn about you and then I want to figure out how can I teach my content? And so I think it is important for us that we understand that we have that space and that flexibility. And I think next year is, is I mean, just a, a really important time. I think it, it, Absolutely. And I'm very curious about this concept of learning loss, right? Because mm-hmm. they, uh, certain politicians and ed- quote educational leaders are saying that this generation has lost so much learning versus I think many of the uh, teachers on the ground who are saying otherwise. There's also an assumption that this generation is apathetic and they really don't care. How would you respond to both of those assumptions being made? I think I would ask about the, that paradigm shift, right? Where, yes, we can look and see the negative. If that's what you want to look for, you're going to be able to find that. But when you listen to the students' stories, you mentioned you sat on, on the capstones, right, uh, with the, the international school. We have a capstone here at Savannah. And you listen to the students' story of resilience and how much they have learned um, you know, it, it, we've never had anything like this and our students are able to overcome and our students are able to see like, hey, you know what, like, here's what I need. Here's what I need to learn. And I feel that the students have been uh, able to uh, speak for themselves, you know, uh, even more so uh, because they know what they had. Now they know what they lost. And next year is that important piece of how do we recapture that to really provide that space for our students um, to continue to grow on that path. Um, and so for me, I want to look at the bright spots because uh, that's who I am. I want to see the bright spots, but also not ignoring that there were a lot of really hard things that students had to overcome. But our job as a teacher is to help those students reflect and grow and keep moving forward. Yeah, I think I agree. I think that we're going to look back at this pandemic generation, much like we did 
the generation of the Great Depression or World War II, right, that created that backbone of Americans that really propelled America into the prosperous 50s, right? Because this was, it strengthened them. And rather than look at it as learning loss, I would say, no, this is about resilience. And um, this is going to be a very, very strong generation as it comes out of this. Um, And the last question I have, uh, because this is about careers, there are a lot of young people who are thinking about their careers, maybe becoming a teacher. Ray, what would you say to them? I enjoy being a teacher because it is the most rewarding career, in my opinion, um, when you get to see the transformation of your students. You know, they walk in the door day one when they leave you, um, you know, you get to truly see the growth. um, And it just makes me so hopeful for the future. And um, I think that is a wonderful uh, reason for you to have any career is, well, how is it making you happy? And so for me, it makes me happy when I see my students who might have been struggling, and maybe it's just the smallest growth. And sometimes those are the best victories uh, when you just see the smallest growth in in a young person um, and knowing that moving forward, they're going to be able to handle uh, whatever comes at them. You know, um, I am so honored and blessed to know a leader like you, Ray, because public education, public teachers has have taken a beating by some sectors out there. And I, I, I'm glad that we have 6,000 and counting people who listen to this because we need to get the word out. There are many, many powerful teacher voices like yours out there, people working their butts off to make a better future for this entire generation. On behalf of our uh, 29,000 students and their families, I want to thank you personally, Ray. Thank you, Mr. Matsuda, for the time. I appreciate it.